Hello, this is Dwayne McCreary. I'm the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible, and I'm joined today by David Briscoe. David is one of the content editors for the Adult Explore the Bible team. David, thank you for joining me today. Good. Hi, Dwayne. Uh, we begin our study of the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy. Uh, we'll be looking at those in December, January, and February. Uh, we're looking at session one today, which is a study of Numbers 9, verses 15 through 23. Uh, if you were thinking about how uh, to, to outline numbers, really chapters 1 through 9 deal with tabernacle worship. That's the focus. Uh, and here in this passage, uh, you find them uh, participating, observing the Passover. That's happened, the first time it happened, first time they did the Passover was in Exodus 12 and 13. Um, this is the only recorded instance of the Passover being observed during the 40 years that they're in the wilderness between the time of leaving Egypt and the time of going to the promised land. Um, now, it may have happened other times, but this is the one recorded instance of that. So in this passage, in chapter 9, verses 15 through 16, uh, Moses points back to the day the Israelites set up the tabernacle, which is in Exodus 40, and he describes how God revealed his presence through a cloud that covered the tabernacle. He noted that the cloud became a fire in the nighttime. In 17 through 22 of chapter 9, Moses then explains that whenever the cloud lifted above the tabernacle, the Israelites were to be prepared to move following wherever the cloud led them. Moses shared that the Israelites were in step with God's presence revealed in the cloud. Regardless of the time the cloud moved or the duration at any location, the Israelites did not move until that cloud was lifted. A key point there is that God offers direction to his people. Verse 23, Moses summarizes the Israelites' response to the cloud in terms of their obedience to God's command. So David, in this lesson, we really have some things about God's presence, God's leadership. A question that most likely is going to come up while we're teaching this lesson is, how does God lead us today? Um, we don't have a cloud necessarily, um, and how do whatever He uses today, how does that compare to the cloud? Okay. Well, the first thing I'd say, and I say this only halfway jokingly, is that God leads His people any way that He chooses to do so. <laughs> uh, but uh, seriously, we find in the Scriptures, and I'm going to speak about the Scriptures as our guide in just a moment, but in the Scriptures we find... Uh, clear and compelling evidence uh, that the various means God used to guide His people uh, along the way that He was taking them, uh, number one, they were always understandable means that people could recognize, could understand it. This is God uh, doing this. It would always be relevant to their situation and it would always be true or truthful. So the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, just think about the context of when God used that means. Uh, this was a, a newly liberated host of people. They had come out of Egypt. They had been slaves 400 years. The, they, were be, they were traveling, literally. Uh, so they were going from point A to point B, from Egypt to the promised land. And so how did God uh, then guide this a tremendously large group of people along the direction that he wanted them to go. Well, he used a phenomenon that was, on the one hand, it was natural. It was a cloud, a pillar of cloud. Uh, 
that at night would be a pillar of fire. And at the same time, it was supernatural in that it was uh, the evidence of the presence of God and God's hand was moving that pillar of cloud, pillar of fire uh, in the direction and in the timing that God himself chose. So uh, it, it was logical, natural, but also supernatural. So that leads me today uh, to think about then how God works through the scriptures, uh, the Bible, the Old and New Testaments that we have uh, as God's word to us. Uh, we're on a, a different kind of journey. We are not necessarily traveling through a wilderness as a great host of people, but we are on a journey. We're on a journey of life. And so God has, has uh, provided this means through the scriptures. It's natural uh, in the sense that uh, men wrote this. Uh, so God used people to uh, write the scriptures. Uh, and yet God inspired those writers uniquely so that the words that they wrote were the words of God. They were the words that he wanted said, uh, and so they wrote his word. So we can look into the scriptures then for guidance through the journey of life that we are on, uh, and we can know that it is, uh, it, it is God's guidance to us. And I, I mentioned two other things. Uh, for example, called and equipped leaders. Uh, God, God does use... Uh, fellow Christians, leaders in his church uh, to counsel us, to help us, uh, to understand his word and to also to discern uh, the spirit. And so that would be the, the, the main one, the indwelling Holy Spirit, uh, because as Jesus said, the spirit will speak to us of Christ and will lead us into God's truth. You, you uh, mentioned leaders are... One thing to point out in this lesson is that even with the cloud present, you still had Moses, who was the liaison between God and the people. Exactly. And uh, we'll, we'll discover in Numbers and Deuteronomy how many times that Moses uh, was that leader that helped the people know this is where God wants us to go. This is how God wants us to live. Uh, I always have thought that Psalm 19 is, is one of the uh, greatest places to, to help you know how God speaks to us, how God leads to us, because that great psalm opens up by talking about uh, the, the heavens, the creation, and how God speaks to us through uh, just the creation that he's made. Uh, but then it speaks about the, the Word of God, the Scriptures, and, and, and they're just a, a treasure for us. They help us in so many ways. Uh, and then it comes down to the conclusion of that um, where the psalmist is praying, Lord, uh, you know, uh, search me and try me and, and, and lead me in the everlasting way. So there's this sense of personal relationship uh, between uh, God and his people, uh, even as individuals, so that his indwelling spirit can lead us. Uh, and, and it is always consistent with the scriptures uh, and uh, so this, this is what I would say in terms of uh, how he leads us today. What might we say to someone who's in our group who's a skeptic or questions that God is always present? 
Well, when, whenever you're talking with a, a skeptic, you're wanting to talk about uh, spiritual things, spiritual matters. It, it's always uh, important to, to see where the starting point is. If, if a person doesn't even believe God exists, then you, you've obviously got to start there. But let, let's imagine that here's a person who does uh, believe God exists, but uh, is... Uh, you know, as a skeptic in terms of, of God always being present with you. Well, that, that could be one of two things. Uh, one, it might be theological. In other words, this person might simply believe that God is uh, the great clockmaker, designer that just sets the world in motion and then uh, withdraws from it. Uh, that, that idea of deism was uh, prevalent uh, in years past, and, and some people still believe that God is not uh, present with us, and yet he is, he exists. Um, well, it also could be, though, just an emotional kind of response, and that is, I don't feel God's presence. I don't feel God's nearness, and uh, perhaps that's more uh, frequent than than the uh, theological. Uh, but if if a person is saying, I, I just don't feel God is near me, I, I can't hear him speaking to me. Uh, I, I would use scripture. I'd, I'd point them to Psalm 139, uh, 7 through 12, where uh, the psalmist David was saying, you know, where can I go from your spirit? If I, if I go as high as I could go, you're there. If I go as low as I could go, uh, there's no place I could go on this earth where you're not there. Uh, that's what God's ever presence means. He is everywhere at all times. So he's there. And John 4, 21 through 24, Jesus was speaking with the woman at the well uh, near Samaria, in Samaria, near Sychar, and, uh, and they were, uh, he was addressing her about uh, the Samaritans worship God on the mountain there in Samaria. Uh, the Jews worship God in, uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, and Jesus said, well, you know, the day is coming when it's not going to be in Jerusalem. Uh, it's not going to be in Samaria. But God wants people to worship him in spirit and in truth. So that is the geographical location. Wherever you are, God is there. And he's there in spirit. And, and he wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, so that, that's how I would address someone uh, who is a skeptic about God's Ever presence in this passage in, in Numbers nine we have and we see obedience and love being noted uh, in multiple ways. Uh, how would we define David the relationship between obedience and love? Well, uh, you might ask yourself, well, what happens if one of these is missing? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, if you have love without obedience that very quickly devolves into libertinism. That is, well, anything goes. God loves me, so it doesn't matter how I live because God's love is never going to stop. Uh, obedience without love devolves into legalism. Uh, so, okay, I'm going to rotely obey all of these rules, and you better do the same if you want to be a Christian. Uh, so that's uh, that, that's really the Phariseeism of the New Testament, uh, but that kind of legalism 
continues even to this day where it's, it's all about just uh, rotely, ritually uh, carrying out rules with no heart, with no purpose of uh, why I'm carrying out these rules. So you, you can't be, it can't be stated clearer or more concisely than, than Jesus did with his disciples. For example, in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. So uh, the way that love is demonstrated is obedience to God's commands. And this comes out, uh, and we'll look at this passage in Deuteronomy later in a later session, but in Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, uh, the Lord there talks about uh, this great commandment that above all, uh, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, it starts there with the relationship of love that God has for us and we have for God. That is, our love is demonstrated when we obey His commands because He's given us His commands for our benefit. David, are there any other insights you would want to share uh, relative to Numbers 9? Well, it's a great passage, and uh, I would just say that as you delve into it, uh, the idea of how God leads us is, is still a relevant idea today. Uh, certainly, we want God to lead us, uh, and uh, we are His followers. So the idea is that if we love the Lord, uh, then that translates into uh, following His leadership, obeying the commands that He gives us. One thing I'd like to remind our listeners today is that if you have comments that you want to share with us about Explore the Bible, we always welcome those. You can send me an email at Dwayne, D-W-A-Y-N-E, dot McCrary, M-C-C-R-A-R-Y, at Lifeway.com. That'll go straight to my desk. And if I can't answer your question, I promise to find the person who can. But that helps us know future directions and consider what we're doing and how we're doing it. Thank you for tuning in today. We look forward to being with you next week as we continue our study of the book of Numbers.